Lay back, 
Good morning to all of our listeners on Future FM 98.9 in the Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. Good morning to the listeners logged on to futurefm.net, qmzradio.com, and janoradio.com. Of course, I can't go without saying good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Thursday, September 8th. Yep. Times are going. <laughs> it's almost the weekend again. It is Retro Thursday. Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. We're playing songs today from the 70s. Yes, we're going that far back. 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I hope you'll enjoy some of the songs I'm sure you haven't heard in a long time. to say thank you so much for joining me for coffee and tow world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views follow me on twitter at me media moments on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on tiktok moments with me media and the me in everything is mi yes it's time for us to talk about the headlines we have coming up for you today. Javette is on the phone because this one I know she's not going to ha- be happy about. Well, Russia-Ukraine live news updates U.S. to give over $2 billion more in aid. <laughs> Queen's doctors concerned for her health in news out of North America. We're starting off in the north. Suspect in Canada stab rampage died after arrest. The Obama's official White House portraits unveiled. Yeah. New York City to cancel snow days for the 2022 to 2023 school year. Police say Memphis shooting spree suspect 19 in custody. Michigan GOP leaders encourage rule breaking at poll worker training session. OMG In business and tech news Credit Karma to pay its users $3 million for false pre-approved credit cards And damaging their credit scores California fast food workers could see a pay increase up to $22 an hour with new law And of course we all know that yesterday Apple had the big unveiling of new iPhones, Apple Watches and AirPods Christmas is looking real good for me I must say Starbucks loses appeal will rehire seven fired Memphis workers in health and science news Dr. Fauci says the COVID-19 shot will likely become a yearly vaccination 
just like the flu shot ah no thank you y'all can keep that out of the caribbean corner antiguan government condemns discrimination against rastafarians at schools out of jamaica six-year-old boy not seen since september 2 cops appeal for him for help to find him also out of jamaica jps fires back at vaz father is suing saint mary's college for denying son entry due to hair and that is at a school in saint lucia in saint vincent public servants to receive salary increase and believe it or not news leaked list shows hundreds of u.s law enforcement officials politicians and military workers are members of the oath keepers huh. woman in spain arrested after faking her own kidnapping for a fourth time sex workers slam wells fargo for closing bank accounts in good standing how dare you in this line of work the feeling of being discriminated never really goes away and in entertainment news we have a few that we weren't able to get to yesterday so we're going to cover them today lebron james and drake sued for 10 million dollars after being accused of stealing rights to produce colored hockey league documentary kim kardashian credits kanye west for introducing her to high society rihanna helps restaurant staff clean up after staying late for dinner and aries Spears speaks out following child sex abuse allegations saying I am not guilty of anything. Yeah, we're going to have the details of these stories and more coming right up after this.
listening to the voice of the OJs for the love of money. Thank you, gentlemen, but it's time for us to get into the details. Russia-Ukraine live news updates. And um, yeah, this is starting to get, well, not starting. It's pretty annoying every time you read these headlines. So here we go. U.S. to give over $2 billion more in aid. I'm moving to Ukraine. Life seems to be better there. I don't know. United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken has announced major new military aid worth more than $2 billion for Ukraine and other European countries, most potentially at risk for future Russian aggression. The money is on top of a $675 million package of heavy weaponry, ammunition, and armored vehicles for Ukraine announced by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on Thursday. I don't know if... (laughs) Do taxpayers even have a voice at this point? Hmm? Do we even have a voice at this point to say enough is enough? Because now it's not only Ukraine, but other European countries most potentially at risk for future Russian aggression so (laughs) is the block going to be the new u.s i mean at this point i I don't even know is ukraine a part of the united states something got to be there are we asking them for repayments i don't think so we're just giving it to them aid right can we have them pay us back how much more are we going to give And I get it. I get it. At least it's not being done on U.S. soil. But hey, the more this is funded, the more it's going to be dragged out. And I'm not saying that people don't need help. I'm not saying that at all. But it seems as though the aid is weekly now. And as soon as they get a package, they're crying out for more. Where do we draw the line? When do we say enough is enough? Look at the hoops we're going to have to jump through to get our student loans forgiven or reduced. The packages are made is made available for us. You're either going to get 10000 or 20000 For some of us, it's paying off our debt. For some of us, it's reducing our student loan debt. But, oh, you have a lot of people here complaining about, um, oh, it's not fair that they're giving out this money. You know, what about those who sacrifice and pay their their way through college or their children's way through college? But nobody's griping over money being poured into Ukraine. Ukraine gets the money easy peasy. Here you go. No problem. There it is on a silver platter, 925 silver. But we have to fill out an application online. Go to studentaid.gov, fill out an application. You got to do it by a certain time because if you don't do it, you're going to miss the bus. Why can't they just with the, they know who we are. They know everybody that owes in student loans. They know everybody's balances. So why not just make it easy for us to know we got to go through hoops with the hope and the expectation that somehow we might just miss that deadline and we miss that opportunity. 
Is that fair to us? It may not be money, but it is money. Because <laughs> the, the, the weapons are not just dropping out of the sky. We're not just going into some storage facility where they magically appear. Every piece of weapon that goes over to the Ukraine has to be paid for. Somebody has to pay for it. It comes out of some account funded by who? The taxpayer. So it comes down to dollars and cents, no matter how you slice it or dice it. If I take up, if I take up a pair of shoes and I give to you, did you think the shoes magically appear? No, I had to buy those shoes. And I choose to give it to you. Well, it's the same thing with the aid. Money has to be doled out somewhere along the line. So whether they're getting it in cash or in weaponry, it's still dollars and cents. Right? So let's think about that. Corporations get money easily too. Middle class, small businesses have to go through hoops. What's up? What is up? Queen's doctors are concerned for her health. This is courtesy of CNN. The Queen's doctors are concerned for the health of the British monarch and recommend she remains under medical supervision, Buckingham Palace said in a statement on Thursday. Her son, Prince Charles, her grandson, grandson Prince William, and other British royal members have traveled to Balmoral Castle in Scotland to be by the 96-year-old monarch's side. The whole country will be deeply concerned by the news from Buckingham Palace, said the new British Prime Minister Liz Truss, who met with the Queen on Tuesday. So I saw an article <laughs> on CNN, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it again. Um, that tonight, this woman is dead. What's going to happen? Who is next in line? The woman ain't dead. Huh? Why are we killing her off already? She's not dead. What's going to happen next? Can we wait until she's dead? It's as though they're hurrying and burying her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for this one. I'm reading the comments on the chat. She's literally on her way out, though. <laughs> you know what? Yeti, you're cracking me up this morning. Yeah, we already know who's next in line. I agree with you, Rosolo. We don't we know it's um Charles and Cremella. What's her name? Camilla Cruella. <laughs> Cruella. It's not Cruella. Good morning, everyone. It's not Cruella. <laughs> However, it's close to it. Camilla. We would like to see Charles, you know, reign for maybe a minute. I actually thought he was gonna pass before his mom but again i, come, I, I don't say anything that uh, i'm sorry of any value good morning everyone have a great thursday oh my gosh i'm 
so over the damn monarch. I'm sorry. Can we just do away with the monarch? It is. No, 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 who really cares anymore? Who? She needs to rest, though. It's time for her to. I think she should. Can't she resign? She needs to rest. She needs to retire. It's time for Charles. Give him a couple of days. He has a he has a good <laughs> 10 years in him. Right? 10 years. Good 10 years. I understand why they're trying to kill. I, I, I truly, I, I know it sounds horrible, but I understand why they're rushing the process. I do. I understand why they're rushing the process. We're all ready for some change. We're ready for some change. Not that Charles is going to be any better, but, you know, give him his time. Give him at least a year there. Jeez. Oh my god! She's been in a, I mean, she's been in queen for what a hundred years now. It's About not all her life, right? So on CNN, they have an article: "The Life of Queen Elizabeth II." No woman not dead yet. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> They're manifesting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, we are gonna go. We are all going to go. But don't rush the process, man. Let her enjoy her last few years, right? Yeah, let her enjoy her last few years. Everybody's at her bedside, unless it is unless the situation is that grave that everybody had to rush to Scotland. That must be it. Things probably really not looking too good, you know. So they're like, okay, let's gather everyone together. <sighs> yeah, seventy years, Yanni. Seventy years. Enough. Is, uh, uh, we've had enough of them. I've had enough of them. They're racist. They are. Um, they have no remorse. They they don't care. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them. And this whole thing where people are holding them up in high esteem. Stop it. They're human. They are human. They're not some untouchable soul. When them dead, them are going to dwindle down and turn to dust, just like the rest of us. No difference. All right? Yeah. News out of North America. Our story starting up in Canada. The final suspect in a stabbing rampage that killed 10 people in and around a Canadian indigenous reserve died after being arrested by police on Wednesday following a three-day manhunt, authorities said. One official said he died of self-inflicted injuries. Miles Sanderson, 32, was caught on a highway near the town of Rothern in the province of Saskatchewan as officers responded to a report of a stolen vehicle being driven by a man armed with a knife. Officers forced Sanderson's vehicle off the road and into a ditch. Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore, who is the commander of the RCMP in Saskatchewan, said at a news conference, he was detained and a knife was was found inside the vehicle, she said. She said Sanderson went into medical distress after he was arrested. She said CPR was attempted on him before an ambulance arrived. She also said that emergency medical personnel then took him to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. All life-saving measures that were capable of taking were taken at that time. Blackmore gave no details on the cause of death. I cannot speak to the specific manner of death. But an official who spoke on condition of anonymity earlier said Sanderson died of self-inflicted injuries without giving any further details. Hmm. Hmm. 
that sounds suspicious suspicious that sounds fishy so if he died from self-inflicted wounds why can't you disclose the manner of death does that make sense you're able to tell us that he died from self-inflicted injuries but you cannot tell us anything else oh come on come the article is just so funny because it says they ran him off the road <laughs> and then they said that the those the airbags were deployed however he died of self-inflicted wounds i'm like what yeah like make it make sense like it just yeah 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 also good morning morning. (laughs) yeah i mean some of us do have the ability to think right yeah james good morning what are you hearing up there if you're able to speak okay james might not be able to talk oh good morning james yeah yeah remember i told you like i i kind of you know tune out from the news from the news for a bit yeah yes. so so i'm still on my my it's... break but 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 you know what i'm realizing i'm realizing that i'm still getting the news but for some reason when you re- you know read the news it's more digestible <laughs> it's not, it, it doesn't stress me out <laughs> honestly i'm just realizing that i'm like i'm still tuning in i'm still hearing what's going on in the world but for some reason with your personality and the way you you put it across it it doesn't stress me out as much as when i turn on cnn or or you know, Canada and um, CP twenty four, whatever. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, but I've, you know, when I'm at the restaurant, I see clips of it, mm-hmm. and yeah, I saw that he 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 died, and yeah, it it's so fishy. It seemed like the 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 car crashed and then probably got stab him up, and then <laughs> like you know, use him like use him on hand and and, and take the knife and stab him up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, that that wouldn't be surprising, but you know, like nobody's gonna really. It's not like people are gonna probe into it and say we really need to find out how this guy really died because he just killed ten people. So nobody's nobody not gonna be really sorry for him or whatever to right. kind of waste time to 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 find out. So yeah, I'm dead and I'm just dead. Yeah. So, but James, let me say thank you. I'm glad I'm able to be a buffer. I'm glad I'm able to you know, be able to make it more palatable. But here, here is my thing. We need answers. Now, how are we going to get the answers? Did they really think that the way they um, intercepted him was the best way to go about it? So I, I think, oh, sorry. No, no, no. no. Think... So my question, James, then is how is this really going to help the the families of the those who died in getting answers because a lot of times we need answers to be able to come to terms it's a part of the grieving process right now those relatives are going to be left wondering why is that fair to them i think i think for the city Hold on one second, yeah. Alexia. Go ahead, James, and then over to you, Alexia. Go ahead, James. Yeah, sorry. I I think for the city, you know, people from, from the city is not going to be, unfortunately, they're not going to be really concerned with the family or whatever because it just seemed like everybody, because some of the stuff that I heard, like the, the entire city was on, like, lockdown. Like, they were encouraging people, like, to stay in and whatever. So just imagine, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, like, 
you know, staying in, don't, you know, probably not going to school, going to work because he was still out there. So there was kind of a relief when, mm-hmm. you know, like he, the news came out um, with, with people like in that city. So I, I don't think they are concerned. And I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm sure that the family members of, of the, the, the people that died will be concerned. But I don't know if they'll get information, if they'll scrub like the internet and get information that will provide some type of closure for them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, because as I say, I, I'm not really, like I'll pass, when I'm at the restaurant, I'll pass and I'll see stuff. But that, the one thing I was curious about is if these brothers, like if they were indigenous, because like I heard the name yesterday and it didn't sound like an indigenous name. They look a bit indigenous, mm-hmm. like they could be indigenous. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that I was wondering if, you know, if it's like some white supremacy thing or is it like, some indigenous, um, someone from the community that just, you know, they struggle with mental health and, and all these drug stuff and they just like flip and, and just start right. going on a rampage. So that, that, that was one thing that I really wanted to know. So I guess when I, when I come around and the, the details come out, I'll get that information. All right. So while you were talking, I was doing a little more digging and I came across this um, courtesy of the Associated Press. So Miles Sanderson's childhood was marked by violence, neglect and substance abuse. Court records show Sanderson, who is indigenous and was raised on the Cree Reserve population, 1900, started drinking and smoking marijuana at around 12 and cocaine followed soon after. In 2017, he barged into his ex-girlfriend's home, punched a hole in the door of a bathroom while his two children were hiding in a bathtub and threw a cement block at a vehicle parked outside, according to parole documents. He got into a fight a few days later at a store, threatening to kill an employee and burn down his parents' home. That November, he threatened an accomplice into robbing a fast food restaurant by clubbing him with a gun and stomping on his head. He then stood watch during the holdup. In 2018, he stabbed two men with a fork while drinking and beating someone unconscious. When he was released in February, the parole board set conditions on his contact with his partner and children and also said he should not enter into relationships with women without written permission from his parole officer. In granting Sanderson statutory release, parole authorities said, it is the board's opinion that you will not present an undue risk to society. Canadian law grants prisoners statutory release after they serve two-thirds of their sentence. But the parole board can impose conditions on that freedom and on inmates who violate them, as Sanderson did more than once, can be ordered back to prison. Sharna Sugarman, who was organizing a GoFundMe for the victims, questioned the parole board for releasing him and wondered why Sanderson was still on the loose so many months after he was deemed unlawfully at large. This is just sickening to me, said Sugarman, a counselor who counted one of the stabbing victims as a client. If they claim that they've been looking for him, well... You weren't looking that hard. So he is indigenous, James. He's had a life filled with crime. So did the law 
fail the citizens in this case. They knew what his situation is, but I guess in going along with um, the legal aspect of it, you know, and having to abide by the laws, I guess they had to release him because he served at least two thirds of his sentence. In my opinion, I think it's a poor, it was a poor judgment call. This man had a history, violence. So who failed the indigenous community? Was it the law or no? Yeah, I, I think I think it's the law because the the thing the thing with with that is is a danger to his community. If he was just say that he, he was living like, for example, like in in Toronto, or so, like I'm sure the the results would have been different, because then you would be like a danger to everybody. So like including white Canadians, black Canadians, or whatever. But in in this case now, he's a danger to his community. And you see the same way they, they kind of dub black and black crime. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they marginalize community. Um, they put all these stuff in place that makes it hard for you to, to succeed. And then you're going to hurt the people that's close to you. You know, so black and black crime. So this would be considered like, okay, indigenous and indigenous crime. They create the problem in the community. Mm -hmm. um, they create monsters and then they let go of the monsters in the community to, to kill, you know, people that are close, right. you know, in proximity of them. Because people, people in, in Toronto go to jail for like 20 years for like some simple stuff, you know. So I, I don't know like why he would be out like for all of those, you know, different crimes. So, yeah. That makes absolutely no sense. So I see exactly what you're saying. And it all adds up. It makes sense. They did not care to find him, to put him back in jail because he was not affecting the masses. And you know what I mean when I say the masses. Whatever he was doing, it was being done to the indigenous of, for, you know, of which he's a part. So, no, I bother. We don't really care. But had his crimes been um, against the whites, that would have been a problem, you know. Yeah. Okay. Th thank you, Canada. Thank you. So I guess the problem is worldwide. Uh, the Obama's official White House portraits have been unveiled. Anybody saw them? You know what? Let me put the link up there. I'm knocking stuff over. Let me put the link at the top of the page here. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all can let me know how you feel about the portraits especially the portrait of um, Michelle Obama. But anyway, more than five years after moving out of the president's mansion, Barack and Michelle Obama returned to the White House on Wednesday for a special ceremony to, un to unveil their official portraits. President Obama's portrait was painted by Robert McCurdy and forever first lady Michelle Obama's portrait was painted by Sharon Sprung. For Barack's painting, McCurdy worked off of a photograph of the former president to create a hyper-realistic portrait. Following the style of McCurdy's work, Barack is depicted standing behind a minimal white backdrop dressed in a black suit, gray tie, and American flag pin. What I love about Robert's work is that he paints people exactly the way they are, for better or worse, Barack said after the unveiling. You'll note... <laughs> 
that he refused to hide any of my gray hairs, refused my request to make my ears smaller. He also talked me out of wearing a tan suit. Sprung's portrait of Michelle depicts the former first lady in a blue dress seated on a sofa in the red room of the White House. The artwork was also painted using reference photos taken in the White House. I want to thank Sharon Sprung for capturing everything I love about Michelle, Barack said. Her grace, her intelligence, and the fact that she's fine. The official White House portraits are separate from the National Portrait Gallery paintings unveiled in 2018. Did anyone get a chance to look at the um, paintings? I don't know why they didn't have it like painted by the same person so that it looks, I don't know, <sighs> Thank similar, you. right? I, I She looks like a caricature. I, I mean, not really, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, she looks like a cartoon character, not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. I don't like it. You see, I, <laughs> I tell you something. Um, Barack is such a charmer, right? Very tactful. I'm telling you, he's well-groomed, right? Because if I did me, I'd be asking, who, who, who is that? Who did that? Why you did my wife like that? That's not going up in here. Commission somebody else. That ain't it. They should have had Robert do Michelle's painting as well. Because Obama's looks very Barack Obama's. Let me be correct. President Barack Obama. His looks very realistic. What the heck is that they did with Michelle? And if anybody tell me, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. I'm sorry. I can't agree with you on that. I can't. But I'd love to hear Honestly, your thoughts. Honestly, I, I, I think it should, like, I don't know. I mean, if they paint, if the same person that painted Michelle was also painting Barack, I think I would have been okay with it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I feel like they just took so much away from her by having it look more like a character, you know, a, a cartoon character than, um, like, his, where it's a lot more realistic. Like they approved this though. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they're just kind of, you know, like <clears throat> surprised. It's it's something yeah. that was approved. So I'm sure they're, you know, if they're okay with it, I guess whatever. Sometimes, Yanni, and I, I know I've been guilty of this. I know that so as not to hurt someone's feelings, we like, yes, we like it. And then you never put it on display, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get that gift, you're not really feeling mm -hmm. it, yeah, mm -hmm. and you yep. never use it or somehow it ends up at Goodwill, yeah, or it's repurposed. No, if I don't like something, I don't repurpose it, but um, yeah. Maybe what they saw in the person's portfolio was good, but when she did this painting, it's a different story. <laughs> so no, no. Oh, Alexa, my apologies. I forgot to go back to you earlier. I am so sorry. That's okay. Maybe she got very um overzealous because she's painting Michelle. Mm -hmm. I mean, whosoever paint chief, then could I use that person at all? I know. <laughs> Thank you, Alexa. Go ahead, Kevron. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I was just 
going to say something similar to what uh, uh, Yeni um, mentioned, that it was approved, right? So um, my, my thing is, they, they are the, 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 the former president and the former first lady. I, 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 don't, I think if she never liked it, she would have said she never liked it. I, um, we, we have known her to be rather outspoken. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, is is it that we're just seeing, um, you know, we're not seeing it in real life. So maybe it doesn't look as bad as it as it does, you know, to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know. but she, like like Yeni said, she approved <coughs> it. And being former president and first lady, we would think that they would say, "Hey, we don't like it." So yeah, no, do it over. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. Good morning, Fabian. Good morning. Are we talking about Kamala? No, no. We're talking oh. about the painting. Um, that the portraits. Let me say it correctly. Okay. The portraits. They were painted by. They were done by two different artists. So okay. Barack's looks very realistic, and that was done by an artist, um, Robert McCurdy. Whereas the portrait of um, Michelle Obama was done by Sharon Sprung. Um, some sentiments have been shared. I know that uh, why didn't they have the same person do both? Whoever did, Robert should have done both. I don't know. I'm not feeling Michelle's. I would not be happy. I'm not happy with it. Um, yeah. Did you get a chance to look at them, um, Fabian? Yeah, I actually did. I, I kind of glimpsed it yesterday. And yeah, they were definitely uh, contrasting pieces to me. Um, well, the first question I have, uh, Kev Rock and Moments, is did um, I'm thinking they that uh, the former first lady would would probably they'd probably run it by her. I would hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if they could just uh, do that without her permission, so to speak. So that, that's the first question. Is is the artist? Is she black? White? Clueless, but we can look her up. So let yeah, me, let I mean, me just for context, Google. just for context. So you know. her name is um, Sharon Sprung. That's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me type her into Google here. Paste and okay, uh, Sharon Sprung, the art of Sharon Sprung, New York. So, hmm. So she looks as though. Let me see if I can see her picture properly. She's Caucasian. Um, she looks mm-hmm. like Cruella Deville from oh, um, wow. 101 Dalmatians. I'm sorry. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> that one caught me off guard. Let me take another sip of coffee here. <laughs> Put some rum in that one. Yeah, it caught me too. Caught me too. By the way, good morning to everybody. I'm 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 rude. Good morning to everybody. Best of everybody in the room. Good morning. I jump in a big people conversation. I don't know what's going on. Is it what happened here? <laughs> I'm going off the mic. Oh, jeez. Um, you were going to say something, Chief? Chief, were you going to I was just saying good morning. He caught me off guard, too. <laughs> I need to behave myself. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm really, I'm going to try. As I write chapter 50 of my life, I am going to try. Um, Okay, so I'm pasting a photo of her. I'm putting, okay, see if you can click on the link. And you'll see what she looks like. Uh, let me see if the link works. Let me make sure. Yes, the link works. So that, no, I'm saying she looks like Cruella DeVille from 
the Dalmatians movie, right? Um, the Disney movie because of the black and half black, half gray hair. You know, that's it. Cruella Deville for painting that portrait. That's it. That's it. That's it for real. <laughs> Doesn't she though? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not happy with it. But yes, Kev Rock, I would want, um, Fabian, sorry. I would want to say that she approved it. But I was also saying, you know, a lot of times we accept gifts or we tell someone something is nice so as not to hurt their feelings when deep down inside we're like, Arr. but we are practicing being gracious, right? And tactful and, um, yeah 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 so i don't know not it for me so you don't like the paintings no good morning everyone. i love obama's i love barack's i should say i love his his looks very realistic that one was done by robert sharon didn't do a good job with michelle i'm sorry that's just me and probably because i don't have the eyes of an artist i'm not an not one who will stare at a painting and be like oh no that's not me so that's probably why for me i'm i don't have the appreciation i should have i guess i don't know javette how do you feel art is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> so you feel how you feel if you don't like it you just don't like it yeah. and no one can tell you otherwise yeah um they 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 look okay. I mean, I probably would have preferred maybe a photograph to art, mm -hmm. but they're okay for me. And I tell you something, I have seen way more talented artists on TikTok, black artists, young artists who have no formal training and are able to do portraits that look so realistic. I mean, I'm really not impressed. I'm sorry. Probably my standards are too high. I don't know. Or probably I just don't have an appreciation. I don't know. You say you wouldn't pay $10 for this? Nah, pay a feet. Jeez, I'm peas. You're right. I was looking at it now. It's not good. You give that to me, it's going up in my attic. Oh, wow. Sorry. I am brutal. I know. And you know what? I don't know what's going on. I want a black person painting that. That's just me, though. I I'm would have sorry. preferred that too, Fabian. That's just, you know, I mean, considering how historic his presidency was, appointment, yes. the whole nine, double term, uh, I don't know. We just need to, I don't know. Anyway. And as, as the point was made earlier, probably she's really a good artist, but somehow I don't think she got it quite right. But I don't want to you know, belabor it anymore. Let me, let me keep it moving so I can wrap up the stories out of North America before I have to get off of future FM. But New York City to cancel snow days for the 2022 to 2023 school year. On Tuesday, New York school's chancellor, David Banks, announced that students would be forced to do virtual learning instead of having snow days for 2022-2023. There are technically no more snow days, Banks told Fox F, well, Fox 5's Good Day New York. 
With the new technology that we have, that's one of the good things that came out of COVID. If a snow day comes around, we want to make sure that our children continue to learn, he said. So sorry, kids, no more snow days, but it's going to be good for you. The no snow days policy was first rolled out in 2020 when COVID-19 first hit the city, forcing the students into virtual learning. And it was implemented again for the 2021-2022 school year. But according to the Post, the policies are considered and reassessed each year. All right, then. New York, how you feel about that one? (laughs) Kids, get to school. (laughs) You know, moments, I was laughing as you're doing this one because um, although I'm in Jersey, Jersey usually follows suit with some of these things. And I'm just thinking that, boy, I'm not going to be able to ask my boys to come and help me with the snow no more. They might tell me so they have schoolwork for you, you know. So, <laughs> But it makes sense, though. It makes sense, though. Yeah. You know. Um. According to Yenny in the chat, she says, I'm not opposed to that because they can get out of school earlier in the summer. Okay. Yeah. So they will get out earlier and go back earlier. So let me squeeze these next two stories in real quick. Police say Memphis shooting spree suspect 19 in custody. Police in Memphis, Tennessee said a man who drove around the city shooting at people during an hours-long spree that forced frightened people to shelter in place on Wednesday has been arrested. Memphis Police spokeswoman Karen Rudolph said 19-year-old Ezekiel Kelly was taken into custody after 9 p.m. in the Whitehaven neighborhood. That was about two hours after police sent out an alert saying a man driving a light blue Infinity was responsible for multiple shootings in the city. Police said he later switched vehicles to a gray Toyota SUV. It was not immediately known if anyone had been killed. Police said he recorded his actions on Facebook. The University of Memphis sent a message to students saying a shooting had been reported near the campus. Rhodes College, which is about four miles away from the university, advised students on and off campus to shelter in place. The area where Kelly was arrested was about 11 miles from the University of Memphis and about 12 miles from Rhodes College. So court records show in February of 2020, Kelly, who was then 17, was charged as an adult with attempted first degree murder, aggravated assault, using a firearm to commit a dangerous felony and reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon. Circumstances of the case were not immediately known. Records show he pleaded guilty to three years in prison. It was not immediately known how much of the sentence he served. And our final story before we have to jump off the air with Future FM, Michigan GOP leaders encourage rule breaking at poll worker training session. The evening before Michigan's state primary, Wayne County GOP leaders held a Zoom training session for poll workers and partisan observers warning them about bad stuff happening during the election and encouraging them to ignore local election rules, barring cell phones and pens from polling places and vote counting centers. All right. All right. FutureFM.net, FutureFM 98.9 in the Bronx. Mount Vernon and Westchester. That is my time. Thank you so much for logging in and joining 
well, listening in, I should say, but you are more than welcome to continue to listen on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, or join the conversation on Clubhouse. We look forward to having you. Thank you so much for tuning in. To all of our listeners, logged on to QMZRadio.com, the quality music zone, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. 
It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday, Retro Thursday. So we're playing music, yes, from the 70s. I'm going back that far. 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Songs we normally hear on a Sunday. Sunday afternoon, right? Coming up right after this, we have business and tech news. You are listening to the spinners. It's a shame. I tried to speak with you, show your love so true, but you won't appreciate the love we try to make. Oh, it's a, got to be a shame. time for business and tech news but i want to go back to the last story that was read before we went to a break um (laughs) michigan gop leaders encourage rule breaking at poll worker training session yeah this is a little concerning so i'm gonna read it again for those who may have missed it the evening before michigan's state primary wayne county gop leaders held a zoom training session for poll workers and partisan observers warning them about quote bad stuff happening end of quote during the election and encouraging them to ignore local election rules barring cell phones and pens from polling places and vote counting centers none of the constraints that they're putting on this are legal former state senator patrick kolbeck told trainees on the august one call As far as cell phones, I would say maybe just hide it or something and maybe hide a small pad and a small pen or something like that because you need to take accurate notes, Cheryl Constantino, the GOP county chairwoman and host of the call, told participants. Some participants raised concerns about being tossed out if they broke the rules. That's why you got to do it secretly, Constantino replied. While volunteer partisan observers have always been trained by political parties and nonprofit groups in Michigan, the Wayne County GOP had also invited poll workers, people hired and paid by the local clerk's office. They are in charge of running the election and their responsibilities can include checking voter IDs, counting ballots, 
and even securing voting equipment at the end of the day. Poll workers are required to engage in nonpartisan training overseen by the local clerk and are only identified as Republicans for the purposes of making sure there is equal representation by both major parties working the election, according to the Michigan Bureau of Elections. Hmm. So during the Wayne County training call, right, that was obtained by CNN, the presumption that Democrats cheat, thus justifying Republican rule breaking, permeated the discussion. Is this something we ought to be concerned about or no? Is this a practice and how long has this been going on? Why are they being told to break the rules? Isn't the GOP the same party that cries out about certain protocol not being followed? Or in, <laughs> I'm confused here. I really am confused. Shame on you, GOP. Shame on you. How can we expect to be better as a country? How? You call yourselves so self-righteous, you, you preservation of life, so away with abortion. You don't want, um, you don't believe in gay marriages. You don't, so the, and the list goes on. But you're not perfect. I hope you realize that. The self-righteous image you're trying to present, shed it because it's not who you are. You're going to encourage poll workers to break the rules? Constantino, that's why your mouth is lean. That's all I'm going to say. Let, let, let me head on to the business news. I'm sorry. So sorry. So Credit Karma to pay its users $3 million for false pre-approved credit cards and damaging their credit scores. Credit Karma is being ordered to pay its users $3 million for false promises of being pre-approved for credit cards. A credit check revealed that almost one-third of its consumers who applied for credit cards listed as pre-approved by Credit Karma was later turned down. The Federal Trade Commission complained that the marketing initiatives wasted consumers' time and damaged their credit scores. The lawsuit claims Credit Karma violated the FTC Act between February 2018 and April 2021 by marketing products that consumers were either pre-approved for or had 90% odds of being approved for but ultimately were not eligible for. Samuel Levine, director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, said Credit Karma's false claims of pre-approval cost consumers time and subjected them to unnecessary credit checks. Um, consumers harmed by Credit Karma's predatory practices will receive $3 million from the FTC. The company will also need to stop misleading consumers about credit offer approvals through an order requiring the company to preserve records of its marketing activities. I'm going to ask a question. Is it that Credit Karma is wrong or is it that Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion 
are wrong. Who is really to be blamed here? Because Credit Karma is going, I'm assuming, right? And if I'm wrong, please let me know. Credit Karma is going off of information provided by these three credit bureaus, right? I have Credit Karma. I've had it forever. I download it because I like to keep a track, you know, to see, you know, who is checking my credit report to see if there are any um, unapproved inquiries or anything like that. So I'm always checking, right? Not that I have much to check, but I'm always checking. Um, so who is to be blamed really? Isn't Credit Karma acting or making these proposals based on the scores that are provided by these three credit bureaus? Am I wrong or am I right? Does anybody have a better understanding of how it really works? Okay, so we all need to learn. I'm sorry, no, I no, missed I missed the story, but I'm thinking you're speaking about um, Credit Karma giving people incorrect credit scores. Yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. Let, let me let, let me. Okay. Let me pull up the link and put it at the top first. Let me do that, and then I'll go back to it. Because so Credit Karma is to pay its users three million dollars for false pre-approved credit cards and damaging their credit scores. So the essence of it is that, you know, when you go on Credit Karma, it's telling you that you um, are pre-approved for these offers, right? So people are going in and they're following through, you know, saying, okay, I'm pre-approved, so I should get the card or I should get the credit I'm trying to acquire. And it turns out they're not so lucky. They are declined, right? So my thing is Credit Karma, they present these offers based on the credit scores that are provided by Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. Am I wrong or am I right? I don't know. Can we really blame Credit Karma? Because pre-approved, and here's the thing, pre-approved doesn't mean approved. When you're buying a home, right, and real estate agents will ask you for that pre-approval letter because you're not going to waste my time. Let's see what you can afford so I know what to search for in the database. Let me know what your needs are. Let me know what your wants are. And of course, needs supersede wants. And let's see what you can afford. And that will help us to narrow down and not waste time. Now, you're bringing me that pre-approval letter does not mean that you automatically are going to qualify. Am I wrong or am I right? So when you get a pre-approval letter from a bank, that is uh, that is your pre-approved. But when you get pre-approved um, mail from a credit card company, that's not necessarily your pre-approved. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I think... Credit Karma, um, pick some names out of a hat. Well, okay. I get mailed that I'm pre-approved from stuff like every day. Like every, <laughs> every day. Every day. It doesn't mean I really am. Right. Okay. But this is something that's been going on forever. Okay, when I 
clear the mailbox. We all are, myself, my husband, and my two older sons, they're getting pre-approvals, we're getting pre-approvals every day from Chase, from um, Bank of America, from Wells Fargo, from Citibank. You're getting all these pre-approvals. But it doesn't mean we're approved. So who told the um, customers of Credit Karma that pre-approved means approved. That's the part I'm not getting, Javette. Why would they think that, oh, I'm pre-approved, so I'm going to be approved once I apply? Or I have a 90% odds. Ultimately, doesn't the decision come down to the creditor, the one who's issuing the credit? So I'm not really sure how it worked, but I know back in the day when I would receive... um these letters in the mail and then I would apply and a lot of times it tell me that unfortunately I couldn't get what I was pre so I assume that this is just some type of racket <laughs> or you know um, you can go through a list and get people's address and send it in but the bad part is once they keep checking your credit, that's when your credit score is going to go up or down. Right. So you're kind of messing up people's credits. And I think that is why Credit Karma has this suit now and they have to pay the money. So um, I don't think Credit Karma should be held liable. Because what it, what you do, they, they have that section where you go to and it shows you a bunch of cards that you have a, a chance, just a chance of, of qualifying for, you know. So it just have a bunch of cards to show you that you have a great chance of qualifying for these cards if you apply. Never tell you that you're going to get it. Right. And it, and it eliminates a whole bunch of cards based on your credit score that they know you're just not going to get. And it just gives you the ones that you have a greater odds of getting. At the end of the day, um, if you apply for those cards, the, the credit card company take other things into consideration, like your income, like... Um, your debt-to-income ratio, yeah. Your debt-to-income ratio and all these other things. I just think Credit Karma just uh, put a bunch of cards there based on your credit score. And, and, and that would be given to them by the credit card company. Like, they say, okay, if you have a... If you have a 700 credit score, you could get all of these cards. But if you have a 650, you just could get these alone. You, you, you have a greater chance of getting these. Don't even worry about those other ones because you're not going to qualify at all for those. But these, you have a greater chance. But at the end of the day, the credit card company going to take into consideration other things. So, I mean, it, it, it's just a guide. Exactly. That's the way I, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. That's how I look at it, too. So why did they lose then? Obviously, they were doing something nefarious. So I don't know. But, but Javette, this is USA. People sue and win for everything just to hold. OK, so, <laughs> you know, OK, so I pulled up my Credit Karma account. Right. But before I go to it, the complaint claims that Credit Karma was aware its tactics were deceptive. And I quote, confusion about pre-approval is a standard issue that consumers raise in training materials for customer service representatives. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. 
All right, so I pull up my Credit Karma account, right? At the very top, it tells you what your credit scores are with TransUnion versus Equifax, right? Um, it tells you that scores are calculated using Vantage Score 3.0. It puts out offers suggested for your credit, okay? You can go down, and it does tell you your chance of approval, because I'm looking at um, some offers presented here. Uh, suggested for your credit, see all. Um, chance of approval, excellent. Chance of approval, excellent. Chance of approval, guaranteed. You will be approved or Credit Karma will pay you $50. Here you go. Chance of approval, excellent. Chance of approval, excellent. And that's what I'm seeing. Chances of. Now, it didn't say you are guaranteed to the ones that say karma guarantee. Say you'll be approved or credit karma will pay you $50. Right? So you that's go probably where they made their mistake. I don't see the issue though, Javed. I'm trying to see where it actually says. I don't know. I don't know. I see it as an invitation to treat. I don't see it as a guarantee. That's how I look at it. I don't know. That's that's the way I look at it too. But uh, you know, the, I always see like excellent, excellent, and good is the first I ever seen guaranteed and fifty dollar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would never do a guarantee for anything. Exactly. I don't you know. So. so that's probably where they messed up. They guaranteed that you will get this credit card. Or that's $50 back. Up. No, Javed, them $50 yeah. back. Meaning, because for them to say, or $50 back, it means that if you don't get approved, we're going to give you $50. Exactly. So yeah, that's not misleading. It's not, but I guess to some people, $50 is not good enough for that, that strike on your score. Listen, moments, it's all the $50 them add up, okay? They never did that pay the people the $50 them. So all that $50 I don't know. I, I don't know. I probably, I don't know. I think it boils down to interpretation. I think it boils down to comprehension. I think it boils down to knowledge, right? Um, and this is why it is so important that they start teaching financial literacy in schools. You remember, for those of us who went to school in Jamaica, you remember when they would come into the um, primary or prep schools, the banks, and have you open up accounts? And encourage you to save in visa two dollars up you know way back when way back when do they still do that in jamaica and the accounts were usually with the jamaica national building society teaching children the importance of saving right um do they have any such program here in the u.s is financial literacy taught to anybody and i think because the u.s is such a credit based economy um, they push credit so much that you show up with cash. They look at you like, oh my gosh, where are you going with that? Who does that? Right. They push credit down your throat so much. Don't, 
we think they should be teaching how to manage credit from a very early age, have an understanding. This is an opportunity. And if I were Credit Karma, I would lead the initiative and say, you know something? Let us rebuild um, community, our community. Let's have a community rebuilding initiative. Let us go into the schools and teach people about credit, how to manage their credit, understand the language that you will see in commercials, whether it's in print or mail or on, on, on digital. I, I would. That's how I would spin it. I don't know. Would anybody else agree? Or do we have a different outlook? I don't know. Well, financial literacy should be taught in school. Um, they're starting to do it in high schools, but I think it needs to be start earlier. Yes. But again, as a parent, we can't always expect schools to teach your children things. So you have to, somewhere in the back of your mind, you have to make some time to show children things on your own. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, the unfortunate thing, though, Javette, um, is that when I used to do credit card collections, right? <laughs> a lot of people are very illiterate about credit. You actually had some people when you called them to collect on the debt. What are you calling me for? You gave me the money. They actually believe that we just sent them a card out of the blue. And you had to sometimes play the recording of them calling in. And they even said, oh, that's not me. That's not me. You, <laughs> then you'd have some who'd say, I thought I could just use it. I didn't know I have to pay it back. These are parents. So unfortunately, some of them are not in a position to teach the children. Uh, um, understood. Ho hold on one second, War. Go ahead, Javed, and then over to you, War. I was just going to say, Understood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah go ahead war go ahead good morning. good morning um i've been listening um and something you said javet that got my caught my attention um when you said we, we shouldn't expect school to teach our children certain things we should do it on our own we shouldn't expect them um, to teach them everything everything right yeah, but when it comes to finances, where do we go to school to learn about finance? I'm uh, sorry, where do we go to learn finance? Isn't it school? Hmm. I mean, there are courses. You learn, you in, learn uh, math in school. No, math, and also as you move up, you do learn finances in college and so on and so forth, right? If you want to be a financial analyst or work in the banking sector or stuff like that. So... I believe we should have seen that um, finance, right, is, I mean, a very necessary part of functioning in this world. It should be mandatory that schools, and, and we should expect um, schools from, um, especially from high school level, to be teaching finance. Especially seeing that we live in a society built on credit and, and, um, um should expect that our children um, to to know how to handle credit from a very early age so we should expect school and demand that school schools um 
teach um, these 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 uh, uh, courses from very early. It's like if we don't have any expectations of schools, then they'll continue to not serve us and our children. Yeah, Alandir. I I agree with you, um, but we know that's not really how the world is, right? And we also know that some of the things that they're teaching our children is not the whole story, right? So I'm saying that we still should try to find a way to give our children examples and to help them somewhat in learning just basically about life that's all but i agree with you okay all right i agree with so there are good points from uh, chief why are you in the matrix chief why can you let the ufo let you out this internet bad you have UFO internet. <laughs> Your internet is coming from way out there in the galaxy. Come on, get back to Earth, Chief. Come on. <laughs> but great points <laughs> made say, on both sides. Yeah, go ahead, War. Yeah, just one more thing. Um, what I would say uh, is necessary, right? Um, from the very, very local levels, like we as parents right if we recognize that there's something that that's not going right or in the way that we want um we have to get more involved in the education process like um with the boards you know what i mean mm -hmm. and let them know what we want and show them where they are failing us you know if we don't get involved in, in that process then they will just do whatever it is they want to do and eliminate programs right because remember at the local level we're the ones who actually um, vote vote for them, right, and actually put them in place. So if we don't um, make sure that we get involved in that process, then things will continue to go down the wrong path, and we, at the end of the day, we just stay and complain, you know? Mm. Yeah. May I add something? Yeah, sure, go right ahead. So I was just going to say, uh, so I'm, I'm part of the PTO, my kids' program, and I work closely with the family liaison uh, bringing programs like financial education to my children's school. My kids are in third and fifth grade this year. And um, what he did was actually get in touch with a credit union that was nearby the school and have one of the reps come in and do a kind of a brief overview of what finances are, what credit means and such. And I think even as parents, right, we can actually go into these credit unions and say, hey, you know, do you have like a, you know, a few moments where you can kind of, even if it means like you have to open up a, you know, a, a credit, uh, some, you know, banking or not necessarily you don't have to open up a bank, but just say like, hey, I want information and bring your kids along and see what they offer. Let them listen into those things, right? Because I think if you expose them to these things from an early age, they're more likely to be a little bit more aware. There's also a lot of YouTube videos of all these different programs that you could teach yourself then for then you can kind of pass it on to your kids as well so we shouldn't really have to necessarily always leave it on to the education system to teach our kids everything that we want them to know but also get involved and find ways where you know we can bring other parents in get the, the school somewhere to bring in a program 
you know, they take them to field trips, right? Like have that be part of a field trip program. Like, you know, that would be something that I would add. Yeah. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, Chief, we can hear you. Thank, thanks to the aliens for letting you back out. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, because I wasn't coming back. I'm telling you, I just heard somebody <laughs> screaming my name. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are all kind of crazy. <laughs> just extra, extraterrestrial. In fact, right. so uh, I just I agree with uh, uh, the last three speakers, um, and just to add into that dynamic. They, they're not going to teach it in the school simply because they know nobody would go to college. If they, if they understood the system, <laughs> they would be like, why am I going to go into debt? Like they would start to understand this thing. It'll be, it'll be like critical race theory. It'd be critical banking theory. <laughs> we can't teach them that because we need them to be consumers. Yeah. They, they are the ones who keep the system of credit alive. I think what we need is, um, like when you talk about critical, I mean, look, I'm back into critical banking theory. I just started something. Um, <laughs> but this whole thing about banking, us understanding, uh, we need to understand the banking system and industry. And that really does need to be taught, not from, we teach it, black people historically have taught it from a fear-based perspective, right? Yes. Which means we have to figure out how to exploit the system that is exploiting us. So... It's about us really understanding how these systems of credit or whatever you whatever system you want to get involved in, how you can utilize it to your advantage. So it's really about teaching children, exposing children to the chessboard of finance, because financial literacy doesn't necessarily mean you're reading right. Right. That that you, you have to. You, it's like, who is the teacher? Like, we know history, but is that does that history serve us? No, because the history is from the perspective of the conqueror. Okay, so when it comes to financial literacy, we have to really be critical about who's teaching us what financial literacy is. Like my, my son is getting ready to graduate engineering school, debt free. Because we wanted, I wanted my kids to really, really freaking understand. I don't want you or me to be spending the rest of my final days paying off debt and trying to work, working a job just to pay off somebody some debt. So let's figure this system out. Let's exploit the system. Way to, so we're not exploited by the system. That's financial literacy. Financial freedom. Maybe we should call it financial freedom instead of financial literacy. So if we talk financial freedom in schools, I'm with it. I mean, like we could, we, we should, like the last, uh, last caller, um, caller, like the last person just said, we, we can call in professional people that we know who teach financial freedom. That's critical because then our kids aren't going into college. Not, I mean, I know people were dropped out of college simply because they just did not understand the finance situation that they had gotten themselves in, and nor did they families. You got to talk about first time people who got first time family members going to college. You know what I'm saying? Breaking, break, uh, breaking the generational glass ceiling, and doing something you new and unique. We, we have to really be prepared to how, how do we how do we liberate ourselves and how can if I'm the first one, then let me go to college. Let me pick up all these skills and abilities and go back and free my family. I got to be the financial Harriet Tubman of my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's all. Thank you I'll so much. There. Thank you so much for your comments. Yes. Great points made <laughs> by everyone so far. And I want to say thank you. Chief, they're coming back for you. 
Because it sounds as though they're beaming you back up. Adios. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So our next story. Um, California. Morning, uh, Sinead. Thank you. Great to see you. Sinead is smiling this morning. Yeah. And I'm sure she's happy for the workers in California. California fast food workers could see a pay increase of up to $22 an hour with new law. So what does that mean for Sunette in California? She's going to get better customer service over there now. Yep. So on Monday, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, signed off on a law that would create a board that would oversee various aspects of the in-state fast food industry, including wages, protections, working conditions, and more. The board, named the Fast Food Council, would be made up of a 10-member comp- comprised of workers, employers, restaurant representatives, and two state officials. And this is according to a report from USA Today via Ballot Alert. The law would put a cap on minimum wage increase at food chains with more than 100 restaurants at $22 an hour starting next year. California is committed to ensuring that the men and women who have helped build our world-class economy are able to share in the state's prosperity, he said in a statement. Today's action gives hardworking, fast-food workers a stronger voice and seat at the table to set fair wages and critical health and safety standards across the industry. The measure was approved on August 29. Uh, 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 as long as it will lead to, well, not, let me not say that. Let me behave myself. Yes. Those who work in the fast food industry, especially for large chains, should be making more. And California is not a cheap state to live in. Not at all. By no means. By no means. It's ridiculous. You could take a, three-bedroom house right out of Florida, put it in California, sell it, and come back and probably buy three more houses in Florida. And we're not talking anything fancy. Simple. California is ridiculously expensive. So $22, I'm sure, will be a welcomed change. Change, did I say that right? Why am I, in my head, I'm hearing changed. But a welcome change, yeah. You know? And I think this is something that should be across the country. Let us, especially for these large, large restaurants. Not, I mean, I understand, Dre, how our small restaurant... You know something? I, I, I'm going to say something. Not you, James. Not attacking you. But I'm going to say something. I remember a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, I asked the question... How can people be in the restaurant business for years and say they're not making money? And here's why I'm going to say this. So there's someone I know started out of their kitchen in their apartment. Today, it's what, nine or ten restaurants? They wouldn't be doing that if they were failing. They wouldn't be doing that. Someone else I know opened a restaurant last year. Doing very well. 
in the pandemic last year they opened up and they're doing very well there are other restaurants that i know of that have been around for years small business i'm not talking no large-scale restaurant i talk small business meaning anywhere between one i would say one to ten um locations and they're doing well so i find it hard that people would stay in the business if there's no money to be made or am i missing something i don't know so some of these small rest small business restaurants can afford to pay their workers they can but a lot of them say they can't because they're more focused on pumping money into luxury vehicles which they buy as write-offs for the business i get it you're missing something yes tell me <laughs> what i'm missing james i want to know what i'm missing because what i'm seeing is success but what i'm hearing is the brock don't make sense to me so tell me what i'm missing james yeah i think you probably just you probably just you know meet the right people like the people who because you know every situation is different there are people that just go in and just success comes right away mm -hmm. but when you look at the overall picture um restaurants fail more than any other brick and mortar business and that's just the reality what's the reason you know, behind that james before you go no, any because... further what's the reason what's the primary reason for them failing Okay, because food costs, labor costs um, are like two. And, and, and I think the, the market, like in most big cities, like people find it easier to open a restaurant because, you know, like going into manufacturing and other stuff takes more money. So when you can come up with like, say, $200,000 to open a restaurant, like if you're going to open like a factory and make like barbecue sauce or whatever, um, you have to jump through more hoops and it, it's going to take millions of dollars and, you know, the investment capital is more. So, you know, some of the business, especially in, in the black community, barbershops, restaurants, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like, as I said, like some some places like find success, but others are not as fortunate. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's not easy. Like I've been I've been doing it for six years and. It's not, trust me, like, and people that I know that are either on the, the eye-hand part of the, 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 the restaurant business, uh, especially like chefs that own restaurants and stuff like that, are, a lot of them are depressed. Like, even the ones that make good money, they smoke, they, they a lot of them take drugs and stuff like that because it's, it's, it's like a very labor-intensive type of work and, and it, it's very stressful. So, yeah, it's, it's not an easy business to be in. And even, even the franchise, people don't really understand franchise because you see McDonald's and Burger King, KFC, and you're like, okay, these guys have to be making money. Franchises, they're like ridiculously expensive. Like to get like a, a, a McDonald's franchise, you're looking at $1.2 million or so just for the franchise. Um, on top of that, you have to purchase every single thing that you serve in the restaurant from the franchise like you can't go outside and get coke in a supermarket or, or pepsi in a supermarket you have to get it through them so the franchise owners they make all the money 
and a lot of the the, the, the owners of, of the restaurants, a lot of time they struggle, you know. Um, some of them make money, but a lot of them struggle, and, and that's just the reality of it. And it's a lot of stuff. Like, you have, you have to encounter, like, theft. You have to encounter trying to find good um, staff because the reality is it's, like, minimum wage type of job, and to find good staff, like, it's not easy. So, yeah, it's it's... It's a lot of work. Trust me, a lot of work. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, Chief. Go right ahead. So I have a friend who, when it had a, a truck, you know, the food truck business and was doing extremely well and had, you know, friends convince him, you know, how you should expand and have a, you know, create your brick and mortar. You're doing so well. Well, Having a food truck business and a brick and mortar business are substantially different. Right. And and he was not prepared. His financial aptitude was not where it needed to be to maintain that business. Like you couldn't take food truck prices and put the, put that in your brick and mortar facility and have stability. Right. You have a lot more to, to keep up, you know, and property taxes and all this other stuff that you didn't have to think about, pr you know, prior to that. And so this this lack of planning or uh, lack of understanding you when you have when you have a booming food truck business and you have this serious reputation, you can die overnight just with some basic changes. You know, you know, you had a restaurant and said, man, I remember food used to be really good there. I don't go there anymore because something changed. Right. Something was became different. And. <clears throat> People don't calculate for that. You have to really strategize and plan well. So a lot of people that you see like that will tell you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might be doing well, but I'm broke. Almost like sharecropping. You know, I got I, I, can't, I went into debt trying to create, bring my dream, manifest my dream. Now I got to work my way through debt and try to make money at the same time. So basically, you're living a life just like the average person. I make enough to pay my bills and enough to get by, but I'm not like balling, you know. And so that's that because and, and you got to compete with everybody else that's on the block, you know, and then you talk, you talk about people. So the guy who did plan well, you, you're not going to be able to you, you look at across the street saying, man, I need to be like that. But you can't be like that because you didn't plan financially. Right. You didn't you really did not. Your, your business plan did not meet your your what your eyes were looking at. So that that's, that becomes a big problem. I've seen it happen consistently. And like James said, you know, it's one of those industries that you see people there one day, gone the next. And that and most of the times is because of that that lack of financial planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, go so, ahead, Dre. Go right ahead. Dre, go, go, go. Yeah, as, as James pointed out, restaurants fail the most. Um, I think it's a very bad idea. Uh, I think people are just focusing on the big chain. Mm -hmm. But when the big chains, chains start um, paying $22 an hour, the smaller business, they will have to try to keep up to keep their employees. And you, you, you're looking at California where they're paying high rent price for these um, locations already. So when you, 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 you're looking at their overhead and then to jump $7 up on payroll, it's is they can't compete with the big guys they're gonna go out of business just to maintain 22 dollars an hour and uh the, the rent price the taxes california is not a business friendly state so not a business friendly state so all the taxes and restraint that they have um to how they they can operate it's it, it i don't like it 
you know, I'm more for people making more money, but I I, I don't like this jump. It's it's not gonna pan out well for small business. Okay, I see. What, I see what you're saying. I see what you and um Sonette are saying because Sonette shares the same concern. I think if I read her thing properly, uh, California is more I, employed. Go ahead, Sonette. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a uh, uh, Yenny actually. Oh, I'm sorry, say... Yenny. I'm so sorry. I'm right. reading That's Sonette's right. comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to add. Um, I don't know if it, just because there's an increase in pay the service is going to get any better because I think that's a whole other issue. Okay. Right? I mean, it, it's, there's gotta be another personal training when just because you're paying somebody more, it doesn't mean you can change people's attitudes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great for a lot of people that may be able to now make their rent with just, you know, <laughs> with one part-time job and that, but especially when it's in L, you know, LA, uh, but again, I don't necessarily think that the service is going to get any better when, when it comes to uh, certain establishments. Yeah. All right. Um, so I have a better understanding. And I want to say thank you to everyone for giving me your perspectives because I have, you know, definitely have to respect that. Um, being in it versus being out of it. If I were to get into the restaurant business, I would definitely start with a food truck and I would stick with a food truck for the mayor fact that the overhead is significantly less when you think that you're not having to worry about rent and seeing to it that there's a grease trap and insurance on the bill it's a whole lot it's a headache i get it i do get it when it comes to brick and mortar so me i would go to food truck and then get another one and another one and another one that's what i would do um because also you are not only the overhead cost as it applies to the fixture, but you're talking about employee cost as well, because I believe that, you know, the less people you have working for you is the more you can pay them, if that makes sense, right? But um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Dre, with regards to, even though they're saying that um, the Lord put a cap on, you know, the minimum wage when it, speaks to restaurants with a hundred and more employees. I get it. It's going to affect the small business. Totally get it. Thank you so much for opening me. I them. <laughs> yeah. So, so, sorry, sorry, so add, to add one, a few more things. Um, uh -huh. One of the thing with the business too, like with restaurant business, um, I know like in Canada and most states in America, like um, commercial rent is not like regulated by the government. You know, like in Toronto, like if you rent a two-bedroom apartment, there's a certain percentage that you can take it up by every year. Um, when you have a commercial, like a restaurant now, like with my restaurant, like the, the owner for the building, if the lease is up tomorrow, the owner for the building could come and say, okay, you're paying $10,000 now or, or so forth. I'm going to take up the rent to $30,000. And you can't do anything about it. There's no legal recourse or anything that you can do and that's one of the problems with a lot of restaurants because you know a lot of like caribbean restaurants you see like someone set up a restaurant and then a lot of these small smaller buildings like the, the owners for the buildings are around they're around somewhere so they'll they'll drive past and they'll see like a line outside of you selling like cheap food five dollar lunch or whatever and they see the line and they're like oh business is good 
as soon as the lease is up, double. Mm. So that's one of the things that you have to take into into consideration too. Like, cause I know, like when I just came to Canada, I used to work with this guy and he owned a restaurant downtown and he's paying like twenty-five thousand dollars a month. So them I watch rent. your pocket, them I watch your pocket, them sit down and I yes. calculate and say, okay, yeah, we can get more out of you. Okay. Yeah, so, so there needs to, to be that. regulation. Can can yeah. can city officials or can uh, the residents or the business owners appeal and ask that there be some type of regulation put in place? No, it's not going to happen because corporate in North America controls the government. Yeah, they control right. the government. So so um, they, they, nothing is going to happen. You could fight and fight. It's never going to happen. Yeah. All right. Got it. Thank you so much. All right. So. Let's see what happens, how it works out for small businesses in particular in California, small to medium, because medium sized businesses can easily close their doors too. Let, let's not um, forget that. So Starbucks, according to the Associated Press, loses appeal and will rehire seven fired memphis employees and the story curves comes to us courtesy of wsvn starbucks said wednesday it will reinstate seven employees who were fired in february after leading an effort to unionize their memphis store the seven will get their jobs back after the seattle-based coffee giant lost an appeal of a lower court's order to reinstate them Starbucks said the employees violated company policy by reopening the store after closing time and inviting non-employees, including a television crew, to come inside. But the National Labor Relations Board disagreed with Starbucks's actions, saying it was interfering with workers' right to organize, and it asked a federal court in Memphis to intervene. Last month, a federal judge ordered Starbucks to reinstate the workers within five days while the court considers the Labor Board's lawsuit. Starbucks appealed, but late Tuesday, a three-judge panel for the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the lower court, ruling that Starbucks did not show a likelihood of success in challenging the lower court's ruling. The case has been among the most closely watched in the ongoing unionization effort at Starbucks. Since late last year, more than 230 U.S. Starbucks stores, including the Memphis location, have voted to unionize. Starbucks, as we know, opposes unionization. Am I happy for them? Yes. Would I want it back? No. That's just me. Because do I believe that I'm going to be shown the respect that I deserve? Do I believe that they're going to make my environment uncomfortable in some way, shape, or form? Yes. They're going to try to get me out one way or another ultimately. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to go back. You fired me? Do I want to go back? I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm going yeah. back. You break up with me once, it's over. And every breakup is a breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah it all depends on how bad you need the relationship. <laughs> no, Pitney, no, involve you so no, far. So, no, my God. Nope. 
there was a reason we broke up and we staying broken up. <laughs> that part. <laughs> well, there's always one in the relationship that wants one more than the other. Ooh. All right. Seems like we're going a whole different avenue now, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, but the men up. Hold on. Go ahead, James. Go ahead. And then we go to Javette. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is that Starbucks is, is like on one of the top um, employers in that category. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very interesting because, like, Starbucks is heaven compared to, you know, McDonald's and some of those other, like, as employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I think they're, they're, the union, there's advantages, but as much advantage you have been unionized, there, there are disadvantages too. Because the problem is, I, I think unions are too political. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not in the best interest of, like, the, 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 the employees. employees. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sometimes they just have their own agenda. So I can see the reason why some companies would want to stay away from, from them. Right. Because I know, yeah, a lot of companies that are considered to be, like, I know, like, for example, Home Depot. Home Depot... It's considered to be like a a, a good employee employee in Canada, mm-hmm. like compared to their 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 um, counterparts, okay. like okay. In, in in terms of um, benefits and and working environment, and they, they they go be above and beyond to make environment the environment good for like everybody, like whether you're black, you're white, you're gay, you're straight, whatever, like, um, and they are against they're against unions. So they 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 figured that they'll take their money, whatever money that would be lost in the whole union thing, and make um, their environment for their staff comfortable. Um, they always pay above whatever their their competitors or whatever is paying. So I think yeah, there are advantages and disadvantages. So I can see why a company, like especially so a huge company like Starbucks would want to stay away from, from the union. From the union. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, James. Okay. So, yeah, they lost. Ah, the, of course, we know yesterday, Apple unveiled new iPhones, Apple Watches, and AirPods. So Apple unveiled its new iPhone 14 lineup at a press event on Wednesday, along with three Apple Watch models, new Apple Watch models, an update to its popular AirPods product line, and a feature that could save lives when cell lives when cell service is not available. At a closely watched event from its headquarters in Cupertino, California, Apple showed off four new smartphones, including a larger 6.7-inch iPhone 14 Plus model and an updated iPhone 14 Pro that rethinks the much-maligned notch. In typical Apple fashion, the devices also offer better battery life and camera features than the year before. The biggest surprise, however, may be the price. The iPhone 14 and 14 Plus will start at $799 and $899, respectively. The same starting prices as last year's models. The iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max start at $999 and $1099, respectively. Also unchanged from the year prior. Analysts widely predicted Apple would hike the price of the premium models by $100. They did not. Yep. So, 
iPhone 14 lineup. Yep, I'm here for it. Lots of new features. Um, the new Apple Watches. So they unveiled three new smart watches at the event. The Series 8, the SE, and the Ultra. At the high end, the Ultra model is designed to help users track endurance training, scuba diving adventures, and triathlons. The device gets about 36 hours on a single charge and is more water-resistant and boasts an enhanced compass that can work at night, in the ocean, and other conditions. At the low end, Apple updated the SE to be up to 20% faster than the prior version. It starts at $249 for GPS models and $299 for cellular models. And in the middle is the Series 8 model, which starts at $399. Like prior versions of Apple's smartwatch, the Series 8 is intended to motivate users to stay active and fit. Apple also emphasized the watch's feature for women's health with revamped period cycle tracking tools that can predict ovulation. The tracking data is kept on each device and only accessible through a passcode or face ID, according to the company. Apple does not have a key to encrypted data, and so it cannot access it without your express permission. The announcement comes as data security for women, for women rather, has become a major flashpoint in the wake of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. And then let's talk quickly about the AirPods Pro 2. So, one of its bigger breakout products of recent years. The new AirPods Pro will have six hours of listening time with a single charge, better than the original version. Each headphone and the case itself are now equipped to make a noise to help you find it. And a light swipe up and down on the headphone will increase or decrease the volume. AirPods Pro now comes with improved dynamic noise cancellation technology and can cancel out double the amount of noise compared to the original version. Meanwhile, a new adaptive transparency mode aims to reduce harsh environmental noise. The AirPods Pro 2, the cost, $249, and it will hit stores on Friday. Yes. Yeah, some of the things. How are we feeling? Paid for by Apple. <laughs> they should pay me, right? <laughs> you there's get so much with this. Like, there's just so much with this because, first of all, if you look at it, it looks exactly like the iPhone 12. Like, I don't see, visually at least, I don't see any difference. And then, second of all, like, the article says, are they now going to start subpoenaing all these women in all these anti-abortion states to, <laughs> because now they're tracking their periods. I'm like, wait, why didn't you get your period last month? Like, I don't, uh, it's just too much. It is too much. And I know yesterday we had the concern because we had the listening party here. We started it here. didn't get to finish it here because I had to go client calls. But um, that is a huge concern for a lot of women. But I, I think, Sunette, you had said we can turn that feature off. Like many of the features on the phone, you can turn it off. So I hope it can be turned off. Turn it off. You don't need your womb tracked, right? And even though they say that um, everything is encrypted, the data is encrypted, and it cannot be accessed without your express permission, well, guess what? If the Supreme Court says, we need to get a hold of um, Sunet's phone, um, 
what you call it, phone and and her watch. Can we stop that? We have been stripped of our right there. It's my opinion. If I'm wrong, please tell me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a wait the hell up. Hold on. I must have been asleep or something in in the past forty eight hours. What what happened? What is this? Tracking periods. Please explain this to me. Okay. So with the new Apple Watches, right? Um, it will be able to track your. You did say Apple, right? Yes, Apple. Of yeah. course. Okay, continue. They'll be able to. You'll be able. You, the consumer, will be able to keep a track of your um, cycle when you're ovulating for the you know for those who are trying to get pregnant you know for me who i'm a, approaching menopause i'm in the midst of menopause because I'm, I'm all over the place probably will let me know okay when i when to expect my cycle when i'm not going to have one so on, you know that world so it gets into our wombs and our ovaries and our fallopian tubes all up in our cervix right um but they're saying that apple does not have a key to encrypted data and so it cannot access it without your express permission. And of course, the announcement comes as data security for women has become a major flashpoint in the wake of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. So, um, of course, it's going to be a huge concern. It is going to be a huge concern because so the app is telling me the watch is telling me that uh, I'm up for ovulation or whatever. I can't even put it together right now because I'm a little concerned for those who are in the childbearing age um, that their privacy may come under risk because even though they're saying it's encrypted and you have to give express permission, the courts can override that. I feel, am I wrong or am I right? Somebody school me, please. No, you're right. You're right. And also you can this this man this is insane so how this technology that we use most of us have already given permissions on other apps that are connected to primary apps right and we're not even cognizant of the fact that we've already given permission in certain areas so when we find out that our data has been breached and we can't figure out why or how it got breached it's usually because we we uploaded some we downloaded some new app that had a direct link to it's sort of like Facebook and Instagram, right? How they work together, where these link these apps are opening your data, and so it's like a way, it's like a backdoor to getting access to your data, where you give it permission through one app, not understanding that that one app is connected to another app, right? And they work, so they work together, they they communicate, they think together, and they share information. It, it, this thing is so trick, it's so crazy, it's diabolical. That's what it is, fracking but let me ask a question, because as you're talking, right, let me ask this question. When women go to the doctors, when we go for checkups, whether it's for OBGYN checkups or um, what you call it, just a regular overall well check. And, you know, one of the questions they ask you, when was the last time you had your menstrual cycle? How does that work now? How is that going to work? Are they obligated to pass that information on if it's required of them or are HIPAA laws in place to protect that information? Just a thought I'm having. I would hope that the HIPAA laws are still in place. Um, but 
unfortunately with the new um, law, when you get pregnant, that law will change because now there's a law that supersedes your private. Your privacy, sorry, your private. Your private Same is thing. right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Your private. You know we call it private, right? You're right. So. Your private. Your private. You're you're so right, Javette. Hmm. I put on the comment where um, I've noticed a few people when they take their children, their their girls to their doctor's appointments, their response to, about their period and their tracking is like, "Hey, listen, it's regular, and that's all you need to know." Okay. And it's kind of it's kind of sad if you think about it right because your doctor is supposed to help you track your health and you're not even comfortable sharing such information because you don't know it's going to be used against you right like it's it's insane like i mean like you just said um javed where you know that the new law now supersedes your protection your health your life you know so it, it's just um I don't know. And then what Chief said about, you know, different apps, you've, you've given permission to one app, which now goes into a different app, you know. So even if you say, no, I don't want you to track, you know, my, my period, there's another software in your phone that you've agreed to that pulls all of that information, you know, yeah. and shares it with other. It's like, uh, yeah. But, but not yeah. only that, Yeni, when you think about it, you know, when you're, you're having a conversation with your friends, right, you're in your house. And you're just talking. All of a sudden, something that you spoke about, there is an ad pushed to you, right? So they're listening to us anyway. Whether we give them the permission or not, we are being listened to because how else, for example, you remember, what were we talking about? We were talking about something the other day, and lo and behold, when I got off the, the, um, the coffee and toe, the program, and I'm scrolling through, I'm like, what the heck? I didn't do a search. I didn't do a Google search for this. So why is this popping up on my phone? Because we are being listened to. Every device, no matter how private you think your life is, it's not private. Every device is listening to everything we say. And that is how they're able to push certain things to us. Even though on my phone, for every app that's downloaded, I click the selection, ask app not to track. They're still tracking you. We can't escape it. We're never going to escape it. Can I ask, um, with the menstrual situation, right, that mm -hmm. app, is it based on any information you put in or it just automatically reads your body? It's going to read your body as long as you have that phone, that watch on. And especially, I don't know why people would sleep in their watches, I guess, to monitor no. their their thing but it's got hold on go ahead Senna. isn't it based on the video isn't it automatically going to send something or do you have to based, turn it on it's based on your trackings because with the period apps we we input information it, okay. that's all it is so what we are doing now is instead of adding information just don't add anything at all remove the entire the old data as well can you turn it off i'm not 100 percent sure i haven't tried it yet um i just stopped recording I mean, I'm not a person who who's in question, and I'm also not in a state where I'm in question of that that my state is protected. Right. Once I want to piggyback real quick. Yes. It is our responsibility to discuss with our doctors what's going on. Ask them questions. That's what they're there for. These people are seeing you intimately, so talk to them and find out how much they're reporting. Don't just stop doing things because 
because of um, concerns, which, yes, we should be concerned, but I think we should also keep our open communication with our primary care physicians and our personal doctors. I'm going to say that. But with the tracking, it will track your ovulation based on your cycle. So if you're tracking your cycle, your ovulation can be tracked as well. Okay. Thank you for that clarity, Sunet. Sunet was paying more attention than I was. Yeah. But, uh, it, but but to be clear, though, it does have a body temperature tracker. Yes, there, it does. That is attached as well. And the reason why some of us sleep in our watches is because it tracks sleep issues. Like oh, some people okay. have apnea. And, and you sleep and to figure out what's going on at night. Okay. You don't have to. But that's one of the reasons some people sleep in their watches. Thank you for letting me know that. Because I'm like, why would I sleep in my watch? Yeah. I know it tells me about my heart rate. It tells me when it's time to stand up. It tells me when I... There are some features that they mentioned, Sunet, um, that are already on the, the watch that I have. I don't even remember. What series do I have? I don't even know. But they're already there. And I noticed that every time there is an update, there are features that are added. And I know you had asked the question yesterday, but won't these things get added when you do an update? So I'm going to watch and see. Right. Me too. I'm no. I'm no way for the software update because it's gonna happen just before. So I'll expect a software update probably by Friday. Yeah. Because the phones are gonna be released on Friday and watches. Yeah. So I'm expecting that to happen. Which is oops. By the way, Friday is tomorrow. Yeah. I probably will not be around. I'm traveling tonight. Hey. Um, hey. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but um. Yeah. So. That I expect some updates and that will change some features because if you see that, I, I don't know if you got to see the phone. Um, you had we had to jump offline, yeah, but the phone didn't look that. Um, it's okay, a lot of things, something strangers is um, what they call it, something island. I've got the term already, anyway. I may get this phone because I have an 11 and I'm thinking maybe it's time for an upgrade. Yeah. Do I want to wait for 15 next year? We'll figure it out, but ah. yeah, I have, an, I have an 11. I'm not. I'm not at a 13 or 14. Wait, it is 14. I'm an 11, so I may get an upgrade. So I'm th- I'm there with you on that, tonight, where I was thinking, okay, I'm like, yeah, Christmas is looking real good. I want the phone. I want the what? And guess what? Yes, I want the ultra watch. Don't ask me why. Because it's not like I'm outdoor. Probably it will encourage me to get outdoors, right? But I'm like, I want the phone. I want the watch. I want the um, AirPods. And I'm like, hold on. I just got the 14 Pro. What is it? 14 Pro Max. I just got that one this year, right? And they did say something about 15. I read that. I'm like, you know what? Let me wait till next year. So I'm going to wait for the 15 to change out the phone. Not going to be crazy. But I am going to get the watch and I am going to get the AirPod. But hey, I jumped on the website. I'm like, you know, let me let, let me look again. I like the Boost AirPod. The not is it Boost? Yeah, no, no, not Boost. What's the name of it? Oh my God, Beats. I'm sorry. Why am I thinking Boost? Why is Boost in my head? But the Beats AirPods. Yes, the Boss Beats. Yeah. Yeah, I like those. Hmm. So I wouldn't mind for Christmas to get both the Beats AirPods and the new airpods i'm just saying all right yeah wow no no problem (laughs) (laughs) along with the ultra watch so that package right there is about twelve hundred dollars there about am i right wow yeah i'm i deserve it i'm not i'm that watch i'm not an adventurer there is no 
<laughs> okay, I won't I'm be greedy. With the upgrade, I'm hoping with the upgrade um, starting a workout will be faster and easier. Because like yesterday, I was like, how do I do this? Because I usually don't use it for that. If I start walking, it says, oh, you're walking. Want to add, um, add this to work? And I say yes. But to intentionally start it, I don't normally do it. I don't yeah. walk that much. We yeah. drive everywhere. But I was walking for, for a bit of time yesterday. Okay. Out on the errand. You know, you know, y'all just make, what I find interesting is this. Like, I, I cycle and do some other things. And I just, it's something just dawned on me. I, and I'm talking about people, <laughs> man, these people got, it's a lot of, people got a lot of money out in this world. It, but I never see them using, like, Fitbit and Apple Watches and all these other things, right? To, for as tracking devices, they're using they're using like Garmin's or something like that, right? Which is a whole another product, but it's not a product that they just keep on them all the time, right? So it's like when they're not wearing it, they're wearing a, a regular watch, you know. And it, it's just interesting how, because I'm still thinking about this data thing and how easy it is to get caught up in this data thing, right? This data seduction. <laughs> and as much as we seriously as much as we oppose it there's serious data seduction taking place and it's like man it's like it's like digital lingerie you know <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> i'm just saying john man i'm just saying i told, I told I you what i'm saying you say what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah that's it well I, i'm getting back on the station I confessed yesterday that I am an addict. I am an Apple addict. Um, yeah, I confessed it. So, yeah, because I was thinking a minute ago we were talking about them having access to so much of our private information. Yet at the same time, we're anxious to jump for the next new device that's gonna even give them more information <laughs> and take away more of our con con, you know, conscious consent. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like they 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 gonna want to uh, well moving into the future what they're talking about is even one that would be able to tell your doctor when you if you take your medication yes or no. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. All these sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I tell you, got to make a point. Yeah, there's one thing that is mentioned with the phone and with the watch, right? Um, so I'm not going to be greedy. Okay. I'm not going to be greedy. I won't go for the ultra. I'll go for the eight. SC makes no sense. That's for kids. Right. But, um, they mentioned something, the crash feature, the crash detection feature with the watch and the phone. But right now with my phone, if I shake it to even, even with the 10, the 10, the 11, if you shake it, Nine one one. What's your emergency? Right. If you don't respond, if you don't stop it from calling nine one one, I remember I was at the hairdresser one day, one Saturday, and I didn't realize the phone. I shook the phone. All of a sudden, I'm hearing on the line nine one one. What's your emergency? I'm like, huh? I didn't call you. They're like, yes, you did. I'm like, no, I didn't. And the hairdresser says to me, oh, you are shaking your phone. I'm like, oh, damn, here we go. Yeah. Does, Mar <laughs> Does Marlon know this? <laughs> you know what? I'm done with you. I don't have the phone in me during those times, all right? 
I'm just asking. I don't have the phone with me. Don't stop. Wow. <laughs> so you ain't got to worry about that. Wow. I started, I, started, I started hearing the Maxwell song until the police come knocking. <laughs> you mean, no, that's, um, what's his name? What's his Who name? It? Who is it to sing that? It's not Maxwell. What's his name? Oh my gosh, that wore his mother's nightie on stage one day when he was performing. Oh my God. His name starts with a T. The guy who did the naked video mm. with the braids in the back. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, what's his name? Marlon, what's his name? And you, you I, I was in love with him until you told me otherwise. What, what's his name? Trey Song, you hear Trey me? Songs, yes. Trey yeah. Songs. Yeah. Yeah, Trey Songs. And we're what again moments? Uh, he wore his... <laughs> did you not see that photo where he was performing at a concert? And it had to be his mother's nighty lingerie that he had on. There's no way that that was not a man's garment. That was it had the lace. It was made of that satin with the thin spaghetti straps. And I was not. And I remember when Marlon saw Marlon's like, "Yep, there go your guy. That's who you love." <laughs> <laughs> Marlon, my God, tell him, man. <laughs> you know what? Y'all hating on me. Everybody I'm in love with, he has to come up with some story about them. He's a hater. No, he just don't want you to be disappointed because he authentically <laughs> cares about you. And he knows that if when you're disappointed, he's disappointed. And he doesn't want to experience that. But nobody wants to share his disappointment. So I feel, I understand, Marlon. Thank you for being such a, 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 a just a, a, a empathetic person. That's beautiful. And it's really beautiful. Ladies, the men are in rare form today. I don't know, Sunette. Hear me, Sunette. Javette, what did they drink last night? Did they have a meeting last night? I think I, so. I think we're also in a majority today for one of the few times. <laughs> Usually the ladies oh, are true. feeling the power source from all the, all the gentlemen the Okay. Today. So, oh. Celebrate yourself, kings. Celebrate yourself. They're feeling Five, six of us here. Oh, they're feeling their strength today. Okay. Yes, we are. Feeling oh. like Superman. We're going to give you today. We'll give you today. All right? We'll give you today. We're not going to hold it against you. So Dr. Fauci in Health and Science News says, what does he say? The COVID-19 shot will likely become a yearly vaccination just like the flu shot. No, thank you. Y'all can keep that. As most of, most of us may have expected. Yep. The coronavirus is not going anywhere because it is always changing like the flu every year. The vaccine will be an annual option for vaccination. The news comes from Dr. Anthony Fauci, chief medical advisor to Joe Biden and serves as the head of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. In the absence of a dramatically different variant, we likely are moving towards a path with a vaccination cadence similar to that of the annual influenza vaccine with annual updated COVID-19 shots matched to the currently circulating strains for most of the population. Am I surprised? No. That was their goal. It's money in their pockets. It all boils down to money. You know what? I need to go invest in the COVID-19 vaccine. That's what I probably need to do because, hey. And what's next? And what's next? So by the t imagine every year a vaccination. Who the heck are we after that? 
I don't even know. We're just COVID COVID twenty. <laughs> it is time for us to take another quick music break. <laughs> when we return, we have Caribbean Corner. Here's George Benson with Turn Your Love Around. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. Retro. Yeah, that's where we're going. Music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. all of our listeners logged on to qmzradio.com the quality music zone for quality music while you work or play log on to qmzradio.com the music will help you get through your day thank you to everyone logged on to johnoradio.com don't forget to download the Jano radio app j-a-h-k-n-o available in your apple and google play stores take us on the go and of course i gotta say thank you to everyone with me here on clubhouse where the conversation happens if you want to be a part of the conversation join us download the clubhouse app also available in your apple and google play stores you are listening to coffee into world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where I read the news and we share our views. More music from the Gap Band. I don't believe you want to get up. Here's another oldie but goodie, courtesy of the Ohio players, Fire! Oh, 
can squeeze in two more before we get back to the news here are the jones girls you make me love somebody Today's music is giving me a Soul Train vibe. Here's some Shaka Khan for ya. So much Shaka Khan, and it's time for us to keep it moving. It's time for Caribbean Corner. And our first story, courtesy of CaribbeanLoopNews.com, Antiguan government 
condemns discrimination against Rastafarians at school. The government of Antigua and Barbuda has expressed strong condemnation of schools that discriminate against Rastafarians and students who wear their natural hair in locks. In a statement issued on uh, Wednesday, September 9, the government said, I'm sorry, what is today? I'm losing it. What's today, the 8th or the 9th? Okay, now I'm out of it. The 8th? The 8th. So why is it saying Wednesday, September 9th? Come on, Luke, get it together. Uh, In a statement issued on Wednesday, September the 8th, the government said the Constitution of Antigua and Barbuda protects freedom of religion, freedom of association, and the freedom to hold a belief system that differs from the majority. The cabinet noted that objection to natural hairstyles and the heads of students may be couched in language covering school department. However, the object, as the, as the cabinet sees it, is to enable discrimination against children from the Rastafarian community. Point blank. That's it. According to the release, the debate about the exclusion of Rastafarians from schools ended in Antigua and Barbuda about 50 years ago. Hmm. Schools are not to discriminate against members of the community or those who choose to wear their hair in the same manner as the Rastafarians practice. That is the policy as articulated by the government. The government said it should become necessary or should it become necessary. The Parliament of Antigua and Barbuda will be induced to change policy into law. And I would say, go ahead and put it in law. Let me just say this. It took me a long time before I locked my hair because of the mindset of my own people, Mm -hmm. my own mother, my own even immediate family. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason, they've always looked down on locks. And I just think it goes back to that old wives tale about the hair not being clean. Right. Or some type of scorpion hatching somebody's head and killed them. Mm-hmm. All, all the nonsense that I hear growing, growing up. Even when I came here to Houston for the first time in 07, none of my family members wore their hair natural. None of them. And they thought my locks were braid, braids, actually, until I told them that it was locks. And for a little while, they gave me some shade. I have to be honest with you. But guess what? We in 2022 and just about everybody now is rocking their natural hair. Thank you. That's the ridiculousness. That's the ridiculousness about the old wives tales about locks and hair being unclean and whatever, whatever. (laughs) Sorry, Sunette. (sighs) Go ahead, Sunette. Oh, my fault. My fault. I'm sorry. I had the same thing. Um, when I locked my hair, now it's short, right? When I locked my hair, oh my God, because locks or Rastafarians will look very poorly on in Jamaica still. Mm-hmm. I know there's a large amount of Rastafarians in Jamaica, but it's still not looked at as the most favorable type of hairstyle. And then when I cut my locks off and I had short hair, I was like, oh, you bald head, you're not pretty. You don't look like a girl. You can't do you nothing can't right, okay? Them. But you just can't do nothing right. But to, to go back on the locks, it, yeah, Javette, I feel you. I went through a time, but I was high. I loved it and had lived it for seven years. And then I finally had to cut them for my own silly reasons. But all good. That's me, King. Listen, locks and the Caribbean community. 
has been an issue thanks to colonization and the mindset that was pounded in that yeah you know what so i i have to be honest in my family i remember many years ago i was a child one of my cousins um his dad sent him to germany to study hotel management came home on holiday with locks yeah he had to go to the barber and get that thing cut off right cut that thing off you're not staying in my house Messenia over there to study me Messenia for Don Rasta all right so he did cut it off and thing well fast forward to now we have one two three four five five yeah five of my cousins um they wear their hair beautifully locked up let me tell you something it's just gorgeous if you ask me their hair is long down in their back absolutely gorgeous i've always wanted to lock mine always wanted to lock mine but my hesitancy was the backlash from the community people and you see what people go through right and i'm like do i want to go through that and i decided you know what? i'll just let my hair stay natural now and again i go i get it blown out and that's it but it can snap back but i love locks there's just something that has always been enchanting for me i don't know what it is i can't explain to you i i don't know but i've always admired locks i'm glad to see that there have been advancements made no child should be denied an education because of how they choose to wear their hair and to tell you how much colonialism has um or colonization whichever one you want to use has affected and impacted us is that us when we wear our hair in our natural state it's a crown on our head because it goes up um we're told we need to do something about it either press it out or perm it out to have the european look to be accepted in the workplace and in schools isn't, isn't that something even when people used to wear their hair braided it was a problem they couldn't do it even if their work wore is it cornrows or canrows whatever you want to call it they it was not allowed they were rejected natural hair not accepted you have to go permit out that straight with a comb to get the job go ahead, some moments yeah boy this <laughs> another subject that really rubbed me the wrong way um the mere fact that we stand on what september 8th 2022 and bob marley has not been designated a national hero i think it's no coincidence that he is a rastafarian i'll just come out and say it okay i this is my belief forever and just until this year i think uh lisa hannah or, or somebody called for legislation to name him. I mean, this is, it has to go to court, literally. I mean, this should have been a no-brainer. And not to put down any other national hero, but there are a couple right there that 
don't even, in terms of just level of the impact, the peaceful impact that Bob Marley has had, not even to mention his craft and how he's literally traveled the world and just was a missionary, you know, in terms of just racial equality and us coming together. So the impact that he had, the global impact, still to me the most recognizable Jamaican, not Usain Bolt, not Marcus Garvey, it is Bob Marley. You cannot go to any country and they're not selling a Bob Marley t-shirt. So, uh, you know, just to hear now that in Jamaica, they've sent home some students within the past three weeks. Yeah. I get the tight pants thing, but the, 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 the part I don't get, and I'd love to do a room, is they're sending home, are they taking out the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, other the girls here, the beads, I'm sorry, the beads. Huh? Beads? They're taking the beads out of the young girls' ears. I don't understand that part. Don't I love really to don't. don't love to do it. Just do it. Just open the room. Yeah. Um it's twenty twenty two. Can people exercise their religious freedom, their cultural freedom, their personal freedom of choice? Can they do that? Is the hair going learn or is the brain going learn? Is which one? How is the hair going to stop them from learning? Explain that to me. Is there a correlation that if you have locks on your head, you can't learn? Is there is there that correlation? Is there some scientific study that states you can't learn because you have locks? Because that must be it. There has to be uh, there has to be something that says, oh, if you have locks, you're not going to be able to, you know, absorb everything that's being taught. That must be the only thing. Because why then? You have your, you don't want to lock your hair, don't lock your hair. But if I'm on over this, I want to lock him here. Make him lock him here and go through. Make him do it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people, the, the colonial system and the people that are trying to stop it, you know, the, the reason why they're trying to stop some of our history from getting into school or, or in public spaces is because they are aware of the, the history and the power of the history. And a lot of these stuff are just moved to, to further, like, silent us as a people. Because, like, women, like, in back in slavery, like, in, in, in the fields and stuff like that, women used to communicate with their hair. Yes. Like, the, the, whole, the whole idea of the cane row and the, the corn row and, and stuff like that, it was a, a method of communication, like, okay, I'm going to, putting Conroe in my in my ear today and when you see me out in the field this is what's happening and, and I'm going to change it next week and this is what it, it was a, a means of communication but even us as a people don't even know that so a lot of times like we because to be honest like apart from the system trying to stop it us as a people are our biggest problem because like my, my wife um, sports locks and we live in a multicultural society. And whenever she goes anywhere, like people that are not black are fascinated with it. Like people from different cultures, whether like Chinese, whether like people from India or, or European white or whatever, they are fascinated. And, and, you know, like most women that sport it will tell you that, look, they have to be telling people like, I'm not a museum. You can't just come and put your hand in my ear or ask to feel it. Like you can compliment me on it, but that's as far as it goes. 
but us as a people, like we are the one that that are bringing down our own people, like for supporting stuff like this. And and to me, that that's like crazy. Yeah. And that's why we need to we need to um, make sure the history is never like the story is always being told over and over again, because people don't know the history of women and their hair and and how it relates to like us as a people, you know, as a, as Africans, you know, people don't realize that. So it's very yeah. important. So Fabian will open a room and we'll continue the conversation over there because we do have a few stories that we need to get through. But yeah, in this day and age, get it together. Antigua and Barbuda, I'm going to ask that you just go ahead and put it in law, remove it from policy status to law. No child should be sent home or refused an education because of the locks on their head. And that needs to be something throughout the Caribbean, throughout every country in the world, as a matter of fact. No one, absolutely no one. All right, our next story. Um, a six-year-old boy has not been seen since September 2nd, and the cops are appealing for help to find him. A high alert has been activated for six-year-old Nayahim Johnson of Passage Fort in Portmore, St. Catherine, Jamaica, who has been missing since Friday, September 2nd. He is of brown complexion, slim build, and about three feet tall, or 91 centimeters. Reports from the Mandeville police are that at about 5 p.m., Nayahim was last seen in Juhaini Park, Kingston 20. The police said his mode of dress at the time is unknown, and he has not been heard from since. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of him is asked to contact the Mandeville Police Station or call 119 or, you know, yeah, make that report. I do hope they find him. We don't want any sad stories. Please let him be found. JPS fires back at Vaz. Yep, seemingly stung by the public tongue lashing it received from Energy Minister Daryl Vaz and facing a cabinet grilling on Monday. Jamaica Public Service Company, the JPS, has fired back, saying that there are several inaccuracies in Vaz's claims. In a release on Wednesday, the JPS said it is refuting claims by Vaz in his media release issued on September 7, a day after an interview with the Jamaica Observer. During the exclusive interview with the Observer, Vaz flayed the JPS for what he described as its poor handling of customer issues and said he wants the firm to explain how it will compensate customers who suffered damage or loss of income from power outages. Vaz had also expressed disappointment with the 0.7% average rate increase recently granted by the Office of Utilities Regulation to the JPS, which saw the majority of its customers paying more for electricity bills effective August 22nd. Next Monday, JPS officials are to brief the cabinet on the company's plan and measures to ensure power stability as the hurricane season progresses and how and when issues concerning delays in adding new customers to the grid, persistent and unscheduled power outages and relocation of poles will be addressed. We need them to talk about how they're going to make the money come down because it is ridiculous. You can't keep, you know, uh, you can't keep pushing up prices on people. When them forget the money from, how much more? What you need to do is see to it that these communities, they're going to can't go in a go read the, the, um, the meter them. 
Oh no, use remote meet meters. Get to the program. They don't come out to our house in the States anymore to read meters. Everything is electronically done. So you have some who have to pay for those who not pay no electricity, but are born electricity 24 hours a day. It's not fair. It is not fair. Everybody needs to have a meter. Light now also need to have a meter. And then now, when some people turn on and decide for true line or get an illegal hookup, it's them you want to hold on to. But there are communities you all can't go into and fix the problem. It's foolishness. And this, been, this has been going on for decades. And it's the same people in those communities who get in the free light and you can't go in and go, 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 go do nothing about it. It's them are the same one that ball about other issues. We can't take no more GPS. We can't take no more. I'm sorry. But everybody who have light need to pay for them light. Point blank. Me not care. You could have broke so till I don't care. You could have money so till I don't care. You use it, pay for it or lose it. Period. It is not fair for some to be paying and others not paying. It's not fair. I'm sorry. Our next story. Out of St. Lucia, father suing St. Mary's College. Here we go again. This one in St. Lucia for denying their son entry due to the hair. The father of a 13-year-old student of St. Mary's College has sought legal action against the learning institution after his son was denied entry into his classroom on September 5th, the first day of the new academic year. He was denied entry to into the class, I went back and forth with the principal for a while yesterday. He was eventually allowed in, but the principal told me that my son would not be allowed to class the next day if he did not cut his hair. Elliot has taken legal action in light of his son being denied access to education. Hmm. Again. Come on, Caribbean. Do better. Do better. Do better. That's all I'm going to say. Hopping on over to St. Vincent, public servants to receive salary increase. Public servants in St. Vincent and the Grenadines have been given the assurance that a salary increase is in their near future. Prime Minister Dr. Ralph Gonzalez announced this during his face-to-face -face program this well yesterday morning. Gonzalez said the government will deliver a salary increase for the public servants, and we want to do so for 2023, 2024, and 2025. But we have to do this thing reasonably. The Prime Minister further went on to state that if the wealth of the country is increased, Everybody will have to get a piece of it, and because of the downside risks, something must also be put aside. Gonsalves said some of that growth has to be reinvested to increase production further, with something being put aside for a rainy day. I like the approach. Everybody should enjoy some of the, the benefits, right? I agree. Whilst putting aside for improvement and development. Can you spread that um, approach throughout the... Um, send a paper plane over to Jamaica for me, please. Dr. Ralph Gonzalez. Don't be fooled, moments. Election coming up. <laughs> Can you not bring the reality to the situation? Ah, yeah. Is, 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 I think... I don't know if there's any leader in the world right now that's been in power as long as him. 
So he's in power that long for a reason, because he, he's, he's smart. I think he studied political science or something, but he, he's a genius where that is concerned. But yeah, election is coming up. Hold on there, hold on there, hold on there. I may have to read this one to you. This one just popped up um, from a courtesy of Luke News as well. BBC cancels scheduled TV programming following the Queen's Health Report. How did that affect programming? What, everybody going to sit down and wait to hear updates about this woman 20, throughout the day? What are... <laughs> you know what? Let, let me, let me... Um, yeah. Yes, that's what you need to do. Hello? <laughs> the queen has a hangnail. Ladies and gentlemen, please let us know. She has a hangnail. Let's see if they can find the royal clippers. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do my best British accent. This one, BBC has cancelled its scheduled program for television and radio as of midday. According to reports online, the broadcaster cut their schedule short. You know what? According to reports online, the broadcaster cut their schedule short to make way for a news special during Bargain Hunt. A BBC presenter said, Welcome to viewers on BBC One. We have had news from Buckingham Palace that the Queen is on the soup. Medical supervision at Balmoral. It is reported that a special update is to be made at 6 p.m. <laughs> so there were hundred- moments. You you laughing? It's been on my TV all day, all morning as well. Every minute, it's been breaking news. World stop. And Charles is pacing the floor. Charles is walking back and forth in his suite, like, woo, any minute now. <laughs> World stop. Ain't nobody move. The queen is sick. We can't breathe. We can't eat. We can't work. We can't watch TV. Stop, world, stop. Hey, watch the people, them not the Caribbean cry. I just thought the same thing. Anybody cry one tap. in the house right now crying. Yep. Anybody <laughs> cry one tap. Be slap cross them face and wait. Where I cry for? There are people who have called out from work. There are people who have called out from work and they're in mourning right now. Hey, RT, they predict this little. <gasps> Which RT? <laughs> the, the same one I'm seeing all over my Instagram. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, let, let me I think the, the news. The news yeah, check the hallways, about... please, 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 check the hallways. <laughs> Let me see how the story is going so far. Let's see if anybody do it yet. Yes, Wait, you yes. know what? No, I, I'm not doing that. I'm driving. That's <laughs> no, no, don't do it while you Okay, hold on. Let's see. Do we need to hold a room? Do we need to hold a watch room for the queen? Yeah. <laughs> Moments. We had a carjacking this morning at a gas station with a six-month-old baby inside the car. They stopped the news story to break in for the queen. To tell about the woman who got dead anyway. All of we are got dead. None of us knows the time. None of us knows the hour. But I'm really stopping to tell you about the queen when you have a carjacking with a six-month-old. You know something? <sighs> World stop. World stop. Ain't nobody move. This is a stick up. Stick up. The queen is sick. There is a room. There is a there, room. There is a... Queen's family. Queen's family gathers. Is London Bridge OP underway? <laughs> there is a there is a, bridge. a freaking room already. Oh my god. 
Oh, oh my God. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I do apologize. I saw some weird, some crazy people. So that's how I see it. Yeah, 137 people. Yeah, 137 people in the room. she goes i think it's really serious though for them to be carrying on i think it's really serious so uh the, when the news correspondent is wearing a black tie <laughs> when the news correspondent is wearing a black suit and a tie at bbc council their ongoing schedule at the mail you know it's serious god bless the queen meanwhile others believe the move is too much at this time <laughs> I'm surprised my WhatsApp is not going off with my family in Britain because they're always texting us every time something happened over there. Here you are. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to read this to you from Twitter. It will be very sad when the Queen is no longer with us, a stable and inspiring fixture all of my life so far. But I don't think the BBC should cancel all TV and radio for a whole day as they did for Diana. BBC One and R4 would be sufficient, I think. Oh, you'll be very sad. It's not a here nor there for me if she alive or dead. Take the whole damn monarchy with you while you're going. As a matter of fact, we don't need no king, no queen, no prince, no princess. Just people. <sighs> Sick of y'all. I do wonder why that, why it's, why do they feel it's needed? Minano. 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 So I have to do this one. Them come break my news story with this foolishness. But the, the world stop. And believe it or not, news leak. Listen to this one. <clears throat> Leaked list shows hundreds of U.S. law enforcement officials, politicians, and military workers are members of the Oath Keepers. Interesting. According to a new report, I'm sorry about tumbling things over. According to a new report, hundreds of law enforcement officers, politicians, and military employees are members of the far-right anti-government extremist group, the Oath Keepers. Legislators. U.S. law enforcement, military members, and more made up hundreds of names that were listed on a leaked Oath Keepers membership list. The Oath Keepers, a group that played a major role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, contained over 38,000 names. More than 370 people on the list are believed to work in U.S. law enforcement agencies, CBS News is reporting. There were 100 names on the list that belonged to military workers, and more than 80 people on the list were politicians. The list has now been entered into a database and published by the Transparency Collective Distributed Denial of Secrets, the news outlet is reporting. Even for those who claimed to have left the organization when it began to employ more aggressive tactics in 2014, it is important to remember that the Oath Keepers have espoused extremism since their founding. And this fact was not enough to deter the individuals from signing up. 
The Oath Keepers were founded in 2009 by Stuart Rhodes, and its members are known for having extreme far-right beliefs, with its constitution requiring members to defend the organization against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Welcome to the United States of America. Is anyone surprised by this? Anyone? No. Not at all. Not at all. I pinned the link at the top. Yes, for those who want to capture it and go, you know, let's do some dumb stuff. I want to see some of the names on this list. I want to see the names on this list. Eight, the politicians. Mm-hmm. More than 80 people on the list were politicians. I want to see the names. I want to know who are these morons that are being voted into power. And don't go anywhere. Let me just do a quick wrap up here. Thank you so much for your patience. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all the listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. Uh, moments with me you were listening to coffee in tow world news on the go every monday through friday 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views you can follow me on twitter at me media moments on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on tiktok moments with me media today was retro thursday hashtag tbt throwback thursday we played songs from the 70s 80s 90s and early 2000s coming up later on on johnoradio.com 2 p.m it's blitz thursday with dj Lenkimatic. then at 4 p.m it is takeover thursday with dj indu and 9 p.m eastern tonight musical chairs with dj reds for quality music while you work or play don't forget to down to log on to qmzradio.com for quality music to get you through your day thank you so much for tuning in and listening i like to see whatever you do wherever you go we do ask you this one thing please be safe enjoy the rest of your day folks see you tomorrow morning 9 a.m eastern right here for coffee and tell 